maximize every opportunity so that you can become you legendary. Become legendary. What adjustments can you make right now to make yourself one Your percent better? Your only goal is to be the best version of you. Jesse, Michael, welcome to Becoming Legendary. Thank you so much for jumping on here with us today. How are you? Doing great. Thanks for inviting us. Heck yeah. Doing amazing. <laughs> Thanks, Patrick. So, great to be here. So, so nice to get to finally catch up. I feel like I've been running around in circles near you guys for a really long time and uh, never actually crossing paths. Where are you located? Are you up in Colorado? I am in Colorado. Yeah, I'm in a little tiny uh, unincorporated township called Glade Park, just on top of Colorado National Monument. Pretty much the middle of nowhere, about 30 miles from the Utah border. Oh, nice. Very cool. <laughs> Very nice. <laughs> it is the middle of nowhere. Yeah. Um, can you do, can you, me and everybody else, sing the favor of just kind of giving us the quick little introduction to who you guys are? Sure. Go ahead, Jesse. It's all yours. Sure. <laughs> all right. I'll, I'll go first then. Um, yeah. Uh, so I have uh, founded. A business called Optimize with uh, Michael uh, here on the podcast with us. And we've had this business for about four years. Um, it's a big part of my life and it's helped me align my, my purpose uh, and career. I'm a father of two amazing children and uh, live here in, I've uh, been in Phoenix for about 20 years. I, I grew up in New Jersey, born and raised out there. Um, had a career as a martial artist uh, for, for many years and uh, got into the health and wellness space after just uh, really not only being into performance, but seeing a lot of uh, the mental illness uh, and, and some uh, physical illness around in my family and, and friends and things like that. And it kept drawing me into uh, working on myself really enjoyed the mind-body connection of, of martial arts and then moved into yoga and started uh, my yoga practice back in 2001 and uh, just kind of kept moving on that journey and, and love, uh, loved health and wellness and finally uh, made it a career. I also have a commercial landscape business and uh, that I started in 2008. And yeah, I just love, uh, love what I'm doing with Optimize, love what we're doing, what we've created and what the community has, uh, has become and really, uh, really inspired by others. I love breath work. I teach breath work, um, practice breath work. And yeah, it's a big uh, part of my life and still uh, teach, but I'm also still a student. So it's a little bit about me. Thanks, Joe. Hey, everybody. I'm Michael. Um, also one of the co-founders of Optimize. I um, grew up in the East Coast as well. I grew up in Queens, New York, born and raised. Uh, at the age of 20, I left New York. I joined the U.S. Navy. I got involved in the helicopter search and rescue program. I was stationed in Pensacola, Florida, where I went through rescue swimmer school, aviation school, anti-submarine warfare school, and then eventually got stationed out in San Diego. I um, lived in San Diego, deployed with uh, aircraft carriers um, all around the world, mainly spent most of my career in Asia and the Middle East. 
uh, got an opportunity to visit a lot of different countries along the way. But uh, because of the time frame that I was in, a lot of time spent in the Middle East, I got actually to Afghanistan in November 2001 and spent eight months there and then uh, got to Iraq in February 2003. We deployed uh, for Iraq and during that time. Um, I had uh, some health issues when I separated from the military, mainly neurological. I had a spinal cord injury and um, so I got into alternative uh, health and wellness mainly through really searching to find solutions for myself. Uh, the main issues I was having was uh, neurological pain, inflammation, um, had a surgery done to my neck where they reconstructed my neck and then um, kind of got a recommendation to do another surgery and realized um, it was time for me to explore some other options, how I got into uh, kind of what we do at Optimize now, uh, hot and cold therapies and saunas and biohacking and the Wim Hof method. And Jesse and I met along the way um, through the Wim Hof method, really. And uh, that's about it. So now I help and run the facility at Optimize and Tempe and also Arcadia, teach the Wim Hof method throughout the United States, Mexico, and recently did a tour in Ecuador, which was really cool teaching down there. And yeah, that's a portion of my story. So nice to meet you guys. Thanks for having me. Yeah, of Heck course, yeah. man. Can, can you tell me what goes on at Anti-Submarine Warfare School? Yeah, it's actually mostly mathematics, believe it or not. Interesting. So, yeah, which was really tough for me because math was definitely not my subject. <laughs> not know that. Uh, but you have to learn how to track submarines through mathematical equations first so that you have to understand it. And obviously, when you get to the fleet, when you're doing it real time, it's mostly equipment that does the math for you. But uh, we study oceanography, so we learn how sound travels underneath the water. Um, temperature, salinity, and pressure are the main components of how sounds can travel. So some parts of the world, uh, sound can travel uh, many miles, and you can pick up things from a really far distance. And in some parts of the world, um, sound does not travel very far. So you have to understand the ocean before you can understand you know, what's actually making noise underneath the ocean and how you might find, you know, a submarine in the giant Pacific Ocean. So you really learn a lot about oceanography, uh, but you also learn a lot about uh, different submarines from around the world because every country has different technology. There's electric submarines, there's nuclear submarines, there's diesel submarines. So you have to become proficient in knowing what your, yeah, pretty much know your enemy. So a lot of studying, a lot of math, a lot of studying, a lot of engineering. That is a, that is a wild, that is a wild title. That is a wild description that is so far from what I would have expected it to be. It is just an, an amazing openness of the mind there. So thank you. <laughs> Welcome. <laughs> as we cycle back into the into the things that are closer to life maybe now um and in your your space in the biohacking world your space is optimized hot cold light all all the things that that you guys work within um one of the things that first strikes me is the challenge of 
having created a business that is really and truly beyond perception of the majority of the populace is that you have you somehow have to become a cipher between this vision of uh, the capacity to hack into your own biology and what the modern American thinks is possible within their biology. When, when you guys start to become this, this cipher, this bridge of knowledge between what you offer and what people are aware of, what is the, what is the pathway that you start down? Good question. <laughs> yeah, very interesting. Um, you guys you are going to be I thinking found, a little bit today. <laughs> uh, yeah, Patrick, great question. I found that a lot of people that find us, um, you know, they're already open to the idea. They've heard about some of these biohacks or these techniques. They, they're, they're, uh, it's, like a, it's like a group of people that when they find it, you know, you, you feel so good and it's so impactful that you want to tell everybody about it. So you don't really, ha- we don't really spend too much time convincing people, people feel it, you know, as, as Wim says, feeling is understanding. So once you start feeling the effects of uh, these therapies, and then also being around a lot of positive, supportive uh, people and community, you, you just feel it. And so um, there's not, there's a lot of educating, uh, but in essence, yeah, we're really, uh, these therapies are bringing people back to their breath, back to, back to feeling getting, helping them get out of their, their heads and, uh, connect. Yeah. There's definitely a group of people that are in the podcast world. So they're listening to podcasts and pretty much everybody on podcasts these days talking about like cold therapy or breath work or something like that. So they're familiar with it and then they're sharing it and then they're posting on their Instagram and people kind of want to try it. They don't fully understand it, but they want to try it. And then that, um, turns into, um, you know, them learning more, wanting to learn more and either being part of the community and using it daily or just kind of going down the rabbit hole of learning about Wim Hof method and, you know, Dave Asprey and Ben Greenfield and all that, all the kind of big names in, in this space. Now with, with, with the word specifically um, optimized, so what does that what does that mean to you and and then how do you i have an answer already formed because i've had the pleasure of working for you guys for a number of months but i I don't i don't want to i don't want to steal that i want to so what does the word optimize mean to you first and foremost and then how do you start to facilitate or how do you um how do you further grow the optimization inside of the own inside of somebody's own experience so really the word optimize came out of uh, a brainstorming session, right? Ultimately, we were you know, trying to find the name that described what we were doing most. And, you know, as you look into this world of, let's just call it, say, biohacking and health, you, you hear the word optimization quite often, optimization, optimized, being optimized, you know, and... You know, if you just look at blood work, you know, and you look at blood work in specific, you know, this is an example I like to use, you know, there's these ranges that essentially will tell you if you're healthy, if you're low, or if you're high, but they don't really talk much about like the optimal, you know, what are the optimal levels? Like, 
let's just say vitamin D, what are the optimal levels or, you know, where should something be? So, you know, our vision and what we're bringing to the communities is how to get people into optimal levels of health, not just I'm feeling okay, I'm, I'm not sick, you know, or like, you know, how do we, how do we, you know, motivate, educate, uh, provide community, all these different outlets to one, understand what is optimal and two, um, give them an opportunity to push their body um, into these optimal states. So we really wanted to focus more on optimal behaviors versus just feeling okay. Good answer. Yeah, I feel a lot of people in, in, in the optimization world within, within the community of Optimize right there, they're, they're, they keep coming back because they're noticing that they're maybe taking less pharmaceuticals, right? They're noticing that they're having less trips to the doctor. They're noticing that they're feeling better. They're noticing that they're optimized, you know? So like, like Jesse so beautifully said, and Wim says himself that feeling is, or feeling is understanding, right? So all the therapies with an optimized give you that sense of wellness, that sense of that deeper connection or that deeper relationship to yourself. Beautiful. Yeah, well, well, well constructed and encapsulated with within that. I like the M Y instead of M I Z to red. Yeah. Yeah, the other one was taken. So. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah. You know, we had to. Uh, we had to be creative. And Jesse, Sorry. I want okay. I wanted. To, I, I wanted to jump in. I got a specific question for you, Jesse, that I haven't asked you in person. I'm going to ask you right now. I say very moment. So I know that you've. You've been a professional fighter before in the past, and uh, with a record of is it nine and one? Nine and one, nine yeah. and one, depending on what. Yeah, what. yeah, stellar, stellar, man. Um, so, so what, what, what did you learn in in that world that you bring into your life now? And and it doesn't have to be business related; it can be personal. I, I'm just so curious about that side of you that that maybe some of the listeners uh, might 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 not know as well. Yeah, you know, um, it's hard to sum up maybe all the all the lessons learned, but um, you know, I think there are so many uh, so many things that we take out of those most challenging situations in our in our lives. And you know, when you uh, when you put yourself in um, in danger or in like a, a primal environment um, battle, you know. Uh, you have to really dig deep to see, you know, what you're, what you're made of, you know, or you have to, you have to play with those lines of, uh, of defeat. So you have to face defeat and you have to really give a hundred percent of really all that your mind and body are capable of, you know, in that one Avenue. So that was a, a sport and, uh, you know, those fights really, they were a very, uh, unique environment where, I've never really experienced much like it where you have to give uh, so much um, and you're in such, you know, you're in a, a dangerous situation. So just a better knowing of maybe, of maybe myself and, uh, and um, that, yeah, training to stay calm under pressure as well. Mm -hmm. Something I took out of that. Also that a big lesson really was that there's a big difference between, um, you know, I was able to separate uh, my opponent from like an enemy. So like, you know, I had a lot of love and admiration for these people that I was, you know, trying to 
hurt or, or win or, you know, battle. Mm. And so you can, there was these separations and ability to turn it off and on. So I could be, you know, at war with somebody one second and then be, uh, be loving and nurturing and caring to them as soon as that engagement was over. So that was something that I still hold with me today. I could, you know, um, so that was a, a powerful lesson. Thank you for sharing. To I piggyback on that a little yeah. bit, do you, and I'd love to get the answer from both of you. I'm just, I'm, I'm really curious about the, the personality types that have created you guys. Um, to, to piggybacking on the idea of kind of accomplishment, do you, do you find that you find more fulfillment from accomplishment, like things that you have done or potential things that could be done? <laughs> um, good question. I haven't really thought about that. You know, I have to kind of take a pause. Um, you know, I think it's always good to reflect on your past. You know? um, a lot of the things that you do uh, prepares you for the future. Um, I don't necessarily, you know, I didn't necessarily always see that so clearly, but for example, I mean, I was hunting submarines throughout the world and how in the hell would that translate to health and wellness and, yeah. you know, breath work and spirituality and alternative medicine and all the things that I'm kind of involved in and have passion for now. But I was understanding like at a very scientific level that everything is frequency and vibration when I was hunting things in the ocean, I can tell if a submarine was making a left turn, a right turn, climbing or diving just based on the sounds that I was receiving. And I can interpret that. And now I teach people about frequency and vibrations because we have something called a biocharger and a biocharger is using harmonics. And I spent, you know, hours and hours and hours and hours studying harmonics in the Navy and trying to understand them underwater. And now I have, you know, have to interpret harmonics uh, when it comes to the frequencies that are coming off the biocharger and their, their healing capacity and different things that they're targeting, whether it be inflammation. So I think it's really important to, um, to reflect on uh, the past uh, because it prepares you a lot of times for the future and the accomplishments that I did have and the responsibilities that I had, um, I probably wouldn't have been prepared for this level of work and where we're at and, and the level of confidence that I have to have to get in front of people to speak if I didn't go through those experiences. So I very much uh, appreciate that. But, you know, for me, I don't really look too far into the future, to be quite honest with you. I think I don't know why I don't really. I think, you know, sometimes you look too far into the future. It could be like a little scary of what it can be. I get a lot of feedback, of course, on, oh, this, this optimized, this is going to be huge. This is going to be everywhere. And a part of me knows that already, but I try not to spend too much time there and think too far ahead. I really just try to focus on what do I need to do today? What do I need to reflect on this week? How do I, you know, how do I, how do I win the day? How do I win the week? How do I win this month and feel like I've accomplished a lot and made some improvement? Because if I spend too much time in the future, I've made that mistake before in other parts of my life and it doesn't necessarily always work out the way you intended it to be. So um, it also just kind of keeps me humble as well and uh, present. So 
I spend probably more time focusing on today and maybe reflecting on uh, experiences from the past and how it's prepared me for, for the day. So I hope that, that answers your question. Yeah, it's beautiful. Yeah, beautiful. Thank Jesse, you. Do, you have, do you have anything on that? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, and for sure, I think for me, I don't, I don't stay much in the past. I mean, I, I work to stay in the future. I mean, in the present as much as I can, but um, I like uh, visualization and I do like visualizing what I want to manifest. And so I don't want to get too caught up in it. Like as Michael said, I'm, I'm with him. Um, Cause I want to stay in the present and just accept. And that's, this is where life is happening. Right. But, uh, but I'm definitely more uh, proud was the question more proud of future accomplishments or potential accomplishments. Maybe I think that's, yeah, that's where my energy is. It's on now and the future, the past has built me and made me who I am. And I'm, you know, proud of some things and, and I'm proud of and grateful for everything that's that made, made me who I am and got me to where I am. But, uh, but what gets me excited most is the future, um, the present and the future. And, you know, I have these ideas, like I, I envision a lot of different scenarios and these things kind of amp me up my whole life. I've had that. I've had different, it's cool to look back on the visions that I've had when I was younger. It was very much like, you know, sports focused and, you know, winning this or that and that, but, but it's cool how it's evolved and, and uh, yeah, super motivating for me. Do you feel understood? Is that for Jesse? <laughs> yeah, let's start with Jesse. I think so. So my question, I, I think it's an interesting, I don't think that, um, I think that the way people draw fulfillment is, is different. And I, I have a theory that's kind of starting to develop where people who feel really attached to the potential of, um, of future outcomes don't necessarily always feel the most understood. So I'm curious if Jesse, if you feel understood as a being. Yeah. I do. Um, cool. I guess it depends what, yeah, who, in what, in what context. I mean, that's a really broad question, but, um, uh, by many, I, I don't feel understood by, by, I do. Um, overall though, I feel like my, my heart and intention emanate. And so people do get a good feeling of who I am. Yeah. Uh, right. When they, they meet me is, this is who I am. I don't, I try to, uh, um, yeah, I'm, I'm comfortable in my skin, and I think that reflects. But of course, there's a different situations. Maybe there are situations where I'm not as comfortable. So. And then professionally, as as you guys kind of uh, have this spearhead of 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 biohacking energy, I'm curious how understood you feel Optimize is within within the scope of the world. Oh, I think there's a lot of opportunity there. I think that's one of the biggest areas we're focused on is uh, how do we educate the community and translate what we do into um, the average, I would say, mainstream. Um, I would say what we're doing at Optimize is not mainstream. Um, I think it's becoming more mainstream. There's more people talking about it. There's obviously heavy hitters in this space that have huge followings and um, you're seeing more people in kind of celebrity statuses that are doing some of the things that we're doing. Um, you know, we, you know, we teach the Wim Hof method and the Goop Network did an episode with Wim Hof. And then 
you know, a month later, I have all these people coming to my workshops that said they found Wim Hof through Goop and uh, Gwyneth Paltrow, and they had no idea of breath work or cold, and now they're in my workshop. And then from my workshop, they're learning the fundamentals of breathing exercises and cold water therapy, and then they're translating into, you know, um, other modalities that we offer at Optimize, and now they're, you know, understanding light therapies and other techniques that we have. So it's, it's a growing area. I think that's one of the, the most uh, glorifying and fun things about what we do is educating people on what we do. So that's a gap. And I enjoy that piece. I enjoy um, the message of helping people to understand um, their connection with nature. And even though a lot of the equipment and optimized might seem uh, high tech, you know, because it's a biocharger or some, uh, you know, acoustic device or brainwave device or, you know, an infrared sauna. And they might not understand the, the general idea of, of these things. When you relate it to nature, it just makes sense. You know, the sun and red light therapy and infrared, you know, frequencies, cold water therapy, you know, you know, water heaters are relatively new to mankind, you know, for thousands of years, people have been doing cold water therapy, cold showers were a daily occurrence in most parts of the world, cold showers are a daily occurrence, you know, if you study, you know, a little bit of history and anthropology, you learn that people were using cold water therapy for ritual, for spiritual practices, for medicinal practices, well documented and recorded, you know, saunas as fancy as an IR sauna looks, you know, with all the cool colors and, and, um, you know, and, and obviously the, the decor, the reality is, is that Native Americans and other um, tribal people have been using heat therapies for spiritual practices, but also for medicinal practices for a really long time. So one of the funnest things is just translating that and showing people that these devices just allow us to get back to nature and make it convenient. Right. Especially for like a daily practice. Sure. Um, so I actually, I really enjoy uh, kind of filling that gap, the education gap that's out there. Speaking more on the, on the nature theme, you spent a lot of time in the jungle. So, so can you elaborate a little bit more on that? And then really more specifically, Michael, what did you learn that you apply to your life now? Same sort of question that, that I had for Jesse, but this is obviously interesting, your, your jungle nature. Like, that's really fascinating. Yeah, so I grew, up in, I grew up in New York City and, you know, I grew up basically just learning about uh, European history. You know, most of the history that I learned was about European history. It was, you know, science and modern medicine and all the wonderful things that, uh, people had accomplished from Europe. And um, I thought that was great and still do. But when I moved to Arizona, I learned that the Native American spirit was, uh, it was just more common here. You know, in New York, you just, you don't even hear about it. Yeah. You didn't meet people that even are Native American at all. Like I didn't Thanks. in my, you know, in my uh, upbringing. But when I came out here, I was like, I worked with people that literally came from different tribes and I just became really curious about them and um, their history. So I really started to explore 
the history of North America, Central America, and South America. And I became really obsessed with learning, like, what do they have to say about spirituality? You know, what's their perspective on health and wellness and how the world turns and what happens when we die and where do we come from and all of these different things that religions basically, you know, speak to. Um, so that took me to the jungle and I was studying the tribes that exist down there. And there's a variety of them that live along the Amazon basin and they all, uh, speak either Shipibo or Quechua and they have a lot of similarities, but they also have a lot of differences in how they go about things. And I'd heard, um, references that they, um, are able to speak to plants and can communicate with plants and, you know, early on in, in my learning, I just, I, I thought of it more as a metaphor and I, I found it interesting. But when I started to get really into their work and study with them and, and learn from them um, in the jungle, I learned that they, they did have direct communication with plants. And I also found the similarities that even though I knew a lot about European history, what I never really studied was European indigenous history right? So like who was hanging around Europe before the Romans came to power, before, you know, all the kingdoms came about, like who are the people? And if you study them, they're pretty much identical to the Native Americans in North, Central and South America. They kind of had very similar types of symbols, similar practices, similar um, types of approaches towards medicine and spirituality and multiple gods and all that kind of stuff. So, I mean, I learned so much in the Amazon. I learned really the lesson of like, uh, we are all connected. We are all one very, very deeply uh, understanding that. Um, I learned that nature has a lot to teach us, but you have to really tune into that vibration in order to pick up on the subtle kind of learnings from nature. Otherwise you're going to be tuned out and you're not on the same frequency and you're not going to hear a word they have to say. And a lot of their shamanic practices and a lot of their medicine is how to get your vibration in tune with nature so that you can start to establish communication with these plants. I mean, one of the things they make you do when you're in the jungle is they put you on a diet. You go and do a, what they call a dieta. Yes. And dieta is very simple. You know, you don't eat sugar, you don't eat salt, you don't eat anything that's essentially considered pleasurable. You do a whole lot of nothing for long periods of time, you know, alone. So you're kind of filtering out all distractions. Um, and then they're bringing you a potion, essentially, really what it is, is just like a a tea that they make from a specific plant or a tree and you start to drink this plant or tree and then you start to kind of form a relationship with it. Um, and we do it all the time in our own society and we don't even know it because we're drinking coffee every single day. Sure. We're not realizing that that element of coffee or that plant is actually like having a relationship with us. <laughs> we have this relationship with coffee or with tea or uh, with something else. So we're actually doing dietas all the time. We're just unconscious about it where in the jungle is really intentional. And yeah, it was, it was, it was a really good experience for me to learn about well, what the native Americans have to say. And here's the other thing. 
there's this whole movement of like, you know, people are more interested in what the tribes have to say. I mean, people are going down. There's a lot of people drinking ayahuasca. There's, you know, every podcast I feel like is talking about it these days. But guess what? The Native Americans, they didn't have it all figured out either. Mm-hmm. You know, they had some things figured out pretty good and they have interesting perspectives, but there's a lot they they didn't have figured out, too. So no one really has all the answers. You know, it's really just a collective of uh, knowledge, wisdom and practice. Um, but they have a lot of good stuff to share. So it's I think it's cool that gringos like us are actually <laughs> paying, paying attention to what, what they have to say paying attention and then applying some of those things that we, that you learn to, to your day-to-day life, right? I mean, optimize, you can feel the jungle when you walk into that place. You can feel the spirituality piece when you walk into that place. I think that's beautiful that you've tied those two things together that, that people, you know, can and cannot relate to. Like you said, I mean, we're experiencing plants on a day-to-day basis with coffee and, and with other modalities like that, but it's, it's, it's about then tuning into that frequency or giving yourself the possibility of tuning into that next frequency. And it sounds like to me, like, you got to maybe go to the jungle to do that. <laughs> Either that or out into away from the, 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 the burbs, right? The, the, the energy of the city. Yeah, their songs are interesting. Their songs are basically just tones. And they say that the, the plants teach them the songs and then they communicate the songs that were taught to them by plants. And then those are the actual frequencies that are healing people. So when they're in the ceremony, it's not really the medicine that you drank. That's just really getting your body tuned into a very specific frequency. It's actually the songs. Interesting. And the practitioners do lots and lots of uh, dietas in silence and uh, very disciplined so that they can learn these songs. And the songs are really what, what, what are doing most of the work. Interesting. Uh, yeah, it's a different philosophy than we have in the West, for sure. So this is a question for both of you guys. We, we've talked a little bit about self-mastery. We've talked about a, little about a little bit about spirituality, but here's a question. It, it is better to conquer yourself than to win a thousand battles, right? That's the old expression or the adage. It's better to conquer yourself than to win a thousand battles. So what area of your life are you seeking greater mastery? Is that a, is that a day-to-day practice? Is that like an intention you set? Or um, yeah, I'd like to hear from both of you guys. Well, I'll kick it off. For me, it's, it's um, once again, like I try not to look too far into the future. <clears throat> so it's really practicing what I preach is most important, leading by example. Um, you know, I, I teach people in my workshops all the time. I say it a lot with the team. I say it a lot at the center that discipline is the key to happiness. Um, so if I'm not practicing discipline myself, then I'm not in alignment with my teachings and my word. So, you know, the thing that I'm practicing most is self-discipline in all aspects, in all areas. Um, Some things are very easy for me and I don't struggle much with them. And some things are extremely challenging and um, require like more focus and attention. So I spend most of, yeah, my, my time on really sharpening my mind you know and keeping balanced of mind body and spirit you know am i working on my mind am i working on my body am i working on my spirit because there's so many times in my life where i'm working on my body where i'm exercising and i'm you know starting to 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 look great and and feel great in that area but 
you know, I'm not going to seminars. I'm not learning anything new. I'm not doing anything or spiritually. I'm not doing shit. You know, I'm not meditating or I'm not doing any cultivating any sort of, excuse me, spiritual practice. So for me, it's simple. I just try to maintain good levels of discipline, lead by example, and then continue to balance those three areas and try to figure out, okay, well, what am I not doing? You know, I'm like working way too much work, 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 work. I'm not taking care of my body. I'm eating shitty. I'm, you know, not exercising. I need to get back to the mountain and go to the mountain every day. You know, those types of things. Jesse. Yeah. Um, one of the things I'm really working on uh, and continue to work on is just, yeah, finding, trying to bring that awareness to areas of my life that I'm, you know, don't have the most awareness of, you know, find, finding those uh, areas I'm not aware of, you know, because that awareness is really the first step to any, any change, you know, why are, why are certain habits formed? And um, so that's a, a big, uh, big work in progress, the relationships that I have, uh, my relationship with my children, you know, the people around me, just uh, being able to uh, work to, to find presence in, in as many moments as I possibly can and connect with that, that present moment. I definitely am, although I take things day by day, I'm a little bit future focused sometimes. And so it's like the next thing, what's the next thing? And so kind of working to remind myself, just like be here now and, you know, yeah, just, uh, take, take it as it goes. Life is happening right now. And, uh, and to breathe, you know, connect more with the breath. So those are, those are a few things. Beautiful. You were just at the breathing festival for three or four days, correct? Yeah. Yeah. So tell me, tell me the biggest takeaway so far from the breathing festival. If, if, if no one knows what the breathing festival is, it's a festival that's put on by Dan Brule, correct? Or his, um, well, you tell me, heck, you were just there. Yeah. So the International Breath Festival uh, was formed yeah, by Dan and a few other people. Um, and Dan Brule is just a gentleman who's been uh, teaching breath work for 40, 50 years and um, has a military background as well, but uh, just incredible storyteller and uh, really just, uh, just uh, he brings, he brings so many people together in this breath movement from all different walks. And he, uh, so this breath festival, I think last year it was uh, maybe virtual, you know, with the restrictions and everything going on. Uh, so this year, they did this one in four in four weeks. They put it together, uh, wow. really last minute, and they promote all different types of breath work and uh, and so it was just a great experience where all these different speakers and people from different backgrounds, but really uh, recognized leaders in the breath world, came and uh, spoke and took people through practices and also uh, connected. So many gems that I took away from the last few days and really inspired, inspiring me and hearing a lot of the stories of these OGs of, of the movement and how it sparked and it was incredible. So I guess, you know, one of the biggest things or, or the tidbits that I took away was that uh, it was a woman, uh, I think it was Benny, it's 83 year old woman, but 
her and a few other people were just talking about the breath in, in different ways. And one of the things that they were, were saying was that, you know, the breath is something you, of course, want to become so intimate with. And whatever's going on in your life, this is what you have. You can always come back to your breath. And that, uh, you know, one day we'll all be on our deathbeds. And, you know, we hope that we have people around us, right, that are there for us. But when it comes down to it, you're just going to have, it's you and your breath, that last breath you're going to take, you know. And so honing into that and just, you know, being, getting more intimate with that and really the presence of life, the source of life. So that was a beautiful, powerful, uh, you know, statement. And so really just that it's just a lifelong practice, you know, and uh, becoming aware of the different ways you breathe at different times. And um, it's just infinite, you know, it's a okay. uh, lifelong practice. The breath is the language of the soul. Correct. That is coined, if you will, by Mr. Dambe. And I remember him saying that during his visits to optimize both in Tempe and Arcadia. And that was one of the most memorable things for me um, to see him and to see him in the flesh, right? You get to talk about a vibration that he holds, right? It is such a strong vibration. He is so connected to every breath in and every breath out that you can feel that that in him. And so it just, it, it, for me, it was super impactful to, to be around a community of people that were all just speaking about the breath. I mean, Michael, I've been to your Wim Hof workshops at the pleasure of doing that. And that type of environment or community is really, really palpable and powerful because when someone, when people are all on the same wavelength, the same vibration, talking about something, the language of the soul, right? How we communicate to our never endingness, if you will, our, our wholeness is, is something that I will always, always remember it. And Jesse, you all, you gave me the, the beautiful tip, two tips. One, think about breathing through your nose more often. That's really important, especially when you're under pressure. And that really has helped me. That's helped me to lessen the amount of pressure I feel when stress or anxiety comes into life. So thank you for that. And number two, for those of you who don't know about strips over your, over your mouth, nasal breathing at night is really special. It helps you sleep better, um, have more energy throughout the course of the day. There's less snoring so you don't wake up your partner. There's a lot of good benefits for over the, over the mouth. So thanks for those two tidbits. Of course. And just to, yeah, to kind of piggyback on that, one thing another tidbit, right, is that the mouth is a powerful place to breathe uh, at times. So you can release a lot of tension through your mouth. So exhaling through the mouth at times is a very powerful way if you're holding tension to let it go. So although nasal breathing, you know, is the definitely preferred way of, you know, you want to be breathing through your nose most of the time, there is definitely times if you're, if you're holding tension, that you can use your mouth for a lot of beneficial uh, ways when you're breathing, so. Yeah, thank you for that. My pleasure. Did so you what guys look at pets? Uh, oh, I was gonna ask, I was gonna throw out a question to you guys, cause I was, <laughs> how long have you guys had this uh, the podcast and how did you two meet? So podcast has been going on for, I think probably, um, pretty early to the podcast, to the podcasting game. Um, Brian joined the podcast beginning of 2020. Exactly right. Rad. That's correct. Yep. <laughs> and Brian will tell us how we met because he knows better than I do. <laughs> um, 
first of all, thanks for the question, Jesse. And so we met, um, so Patrick used to own a, a yoga studio in Chandler called Vitality. Um, Vitality was voted the, the best yoga studio in the Valley for a number of years running. You know, he had a lot of the early biohacking things available. He has, he had a sleep de deprivation tank there. He had a whole body vibration plates, which would shake on the ground. If you're familiar with those um, red light therapy, the Norma tech compression pants. So he was sort of on that, that path um, for, for many years. Unfortunately, COVID took the rug out from underneath him. Um, and Patrick pivoted and decided to decide to move in a different direction. But yeah, we've, we've cultivated a friendship first one from me being his student. Um, my, it was actually Vitality was the first yoga studio I ever went into. Um, so that was, gosh, that was going to like 2016, right? I think something like that, maybe even 15. Um, so yeah, we've sort of called. Yeah, we've, we've cultivated. Uh, yeah, and, and I'm still coming back to him. So I guess you didn't, you didn't show me the wrong way, which is a good thing. Um, but no, so we, yeah, we've cultivated a, a relationship from there. And it's continuing to grow and prosper. So um, the podcast has been a, an interesting journey. We've my my number one task is to find great guests, interesting people like yourself. Um, so that's kind of how why I brought been brought in, I guess, if you will. Um, so the, the collaboration between Patrick's um, own vision and myself, I think, seem work pretty, pretty well. Awesome. Great to hear a little bit of the background. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, on yeah. that front, um, I'm curious. I'm curious for from both of you guys, kind of as a as a start to wrap things up here. People who uh, I'm sure have have tested many of the the forefronts of potential within uh, what is possible in shifting and adjusting the human being. Can you give me the number one thing that you've found the most valuable and the thing that you've found to be the biggest waste of time, money, and energy? In relationship to? Biohacking. Biohacking. Got it. All right. Interesting question. I mean, if you want to take it somewhere else, take it somewhere else. I don't <laughs> yeah, know. I don't know what, what like that's a really good question. Biohacking. So, all right. Just like, for me. So I had, um, I had a spinal injury. So, you know, I, I needed to figure out how to solve it. How did you hurt yourself, Michael? Sorry to interrupt. I'm just curious. Did you, was it's it a, a combination? Yeah. It's a combination of things in helicopter community. It's actually really common for, discs to vibrate out of place ah, when you're in a helicopter there's a lot of vibrations it's, it's always vibrating it's loud it's noisy and it's kind of vibrating at a weird frequency because it's literally just this big rotor just like pulling this you know really heavy aircraft through the sky you know it's kind of making helicopters really don't make much sense you know um there's really nothing like it actually that exists in nature there's um, hummingbirds, and then, but they just, they flap a little bit differently, but helicopters, they're just awkward. So um, I think it's a combination of uh, hours flying in helicopters, but also when you get hoisted from the ocean, when you're in the ocean and you get on a cable, the cable connects to your chest and it pulls you out of the water. And, you know, it can be really violent because there could be a lot of drag in the cable. And if somebody starts pulling on that uh, cable, they can drag you through the water before you get lifted out. 
and everybody's got kind of a different skill set in that area and the wind's blowing the helicopter around and the helicopter's kind of creating a storm. So it's really a combination of wear and tear on my spine from the helicopter community, physical activity, and uh, eventually one of the discs uh, left the area of my spine. And what it did is it kind of punctured the sheath that your spinal cord sits in. So that's why I had most of the neurological issues. I was not only losing spinal fluid, but I actually had like scarring on my spinal cord. So that's really what happened. And when I started to go down the rabbit hole to try to find solutions after my first surgery, realizing that the first surgery didn't do the job, I tried all kinds of different things. Um, from I was really exploring the mind and the body, and I was paying for things and paying for one-on-ones and appointments and stuff. And there were certain things that were really helpful for me. And there were certain things that I didn't feel anything. Um, so to answer your question, the thing that kind of moved the needle the most for me was, well, I think ice baths and breath work was definitely one of them only because I can do it daily. You know, it was something that I had access to that I can use as a tool daily. And it really moved the needle because it changed my state immediately. And that was really important for me because I realized that a lot of my pain and, and issue coming from like my state, the state that I was in, my mental state, my emotional state, because when I reflected back and I looked at all of these times where I was in the most pain, where I was having the most difficult time with my injury and when it would flare up and be at its worst. It was times where my self-care was zero. My self-love was low. My habits were toxic. The people that I was spending time with, all of those, those lifestyle things were. And, um, you know, when I started to feel better uh, and started to kind of move away from pain and, and issues was because I was making significant lifestyle changes. So the cold and hot and breath work were big drivers for me because I had access to them and I could do them every day. Before I started, um, you know, optimize with Jesse, I would just go to the gym and, you know, there's days I would go to work out and there's days I would just go to use the sauna. And I literally just became like a, a fiend of doing 25 minutes in the sauna every day. No, you know, there was like, it was a non-negotiable for me and listening to, you know, things like you know, spirituality and just kind of changing, you know, what I was feeding myself energetically mm-hmm. and that created big shifts. But, you know, some of the things that I tried that, well, there's ayahuasca made huge shifts because it gave me like really deep understanding of myself, you know, and my patterns and my habits and some ancestral stuff that I had kind of carried with me in my DNA from my father and my parents, you know, that I was completely unaware of that I was working through and, and resolving, but it wasn't something that I can do, you know, so routinely or that wasn't necessary to do that even though I did sit in, in a lot of ceremonies, I would say more than most. Um, but there were certain things that I did that I really didn't move the needle at all for me. You know, there was like Reiki. You know, I don't have anything bad to say about Reiki. There's people who practice it and it works for them. And, mm-hmm. But, you know, I, I had spent some money on those sessions, moved the needle for me at all. Um, and yeah, I, was, I would say, yeah, well, that kind of stuff didn't, didn't do that. But... 
the hot and cold, the breath work, it was like, oh, I felt that there's something that shifted and I feel different leaving the session than I did coming. Nice. So, Thank Jesse, you. anything pop out for you? Yeah, you know, the um, so a reoccurring theme in my life, and I think a lot of people can relate, and I still just try to keep this with me, is that all these all these therapies and techniques and things, I think every single one of them um, can be overdone. So, you know, the, you know, there's a bunch of quotes. It's like medicine could poison or one person's medicine is another person's poison. So everybody's different, you know, and you, there's so many powerful tools. The sauna use has been an amazing tool for me, Uh, but all these things can be overdone. So if you, you know, and then find something you love to do, but be careful to uh, not overdo it because with every single thing that I found that worked for me, I would push it to the point of, you know, making it potentially negative, right? If you go in the sauna two hours a day, might not be great, but if you every day for 20 minutes, 30 minutes, that's perfect. Or maybe you got to start less, um, you know, so that's a, I think a really powerful lesson. A lot of people in my shoes that were just like all about pushing and at a certain point in my life, all about grinding and outwork everybody else. Um, I would find myself continually learning that lesson. Yeah. Cool. Thank you. Thank you. That, that, that is great wisdom. I appreciate the wisdom yeah. you guys have shared with us today. Thank you so much for being a part of this conversation, for doing rad things with eyes, for being yeah. rad beings yeah. and for being you. Yeah. We appreciate you guys so much. Thanks so much, Patrick. Yeah. yeah pleasure to yeah. meet you, Patrick. Yeah. Good to see you, Brian. Thanks for yeah. all you Thank Thanks you guys for having us. Listen, yeah. nice to meet you guys. Thank you. We'll, we'll be Thank sure to coordinate. I'll coordinate with you guys when um, this gets released. More than likely it'll be March one. So we can correct. Yeah. So we can, first, um, yeah. We can formulate some some social media strategies if you want to get this blasted out to as many beings as possible. Yeah, thank you guys from the bottom of my heart. I appreciate you both. Um, all the love in the world. And um, yeah, that's it. I'll see you guys soon. All right. See you, Brian. See you guys. Yeah, see you, Brian. Right, thanks, guys. Thank you, guys.